0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. Top Turtle MMA podcast on FlowCombat.com is brought to you by a phenomenal MMA and BJJ clothing brand. I, of course, am talking about ADK Fightwear, a family-owned company nestled in the Adirondack Mountains of New York. They bring you high-quality gear and apparel that looks good, too. So whether you're training to be the next UFC champion or just hitting the mats for the very first time, meet them at the top of whatever mountain you choose to climb. And you can meet them at the top of that mountain by going to ADKFightwear.com. And when you do, use promo code TURTLE at checkout, that's T-U-R-T-L-E, and you're going to score a sweet 10% off your order. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, and it starts right now. This is Daniel gumby reeling with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and we today have the pleasure of speaking with the Motown Phenom, Kevin Lee, who fights Edson Barboza as the headliner of UFC Atlantic City. Uh, Kevin I, I want to get to the fight in Atlantic City in just a second but first uh, you know there's a fight right around the corner in your division UFC 223 is uh, this upcoming weekend so uh, Tony Ferguson who is your last opponent looks to defend his title against Habib I want to just ask you a couple of questions to help us break that one down first of all do you think that Habib has the same takedowns uh, to get Tony down as you did and if so do you think he can keep him there?
1: Uh, no, definitely not. Uh, and and that's one of the biggest talking points about this. I think is you know you even had guys like Daniel Cormier and saying it just because I could take Tony down, it means Khabib. Listen, me and Khabib and and I said this many. I, I've been calling Khabib out for a long while, and and I mean it's for good reason. You know we just have a different style. We have a different style of even wrestling. Uh, where I feel like my style is just so different, and it's it's so uh, it, it matches up well against him. But you know he he just. If you look at some of his fights, his takedowns themselves, his top control is great, but the takedowns themselves aren't at the same level. Uh, he's not the same level of athlete that I am. So it, it, I think that you really can't base off anything. If I'm making my prediction for the fight, I think that Tony's going to win the fight. But uh, that's not to say that Khabib is unskilled and he's going to get blown out of the water, but it's just the way I see those styles matching up.
0: Yeah, and that, that's interesting, too, that you say you see Tony win in this fight. What, what is it about that you like uh, with Tony here? Do you like him uh, by submission? Do you like his stand-up skills better? What, what way do you see him, uh, his style matching up with Habib?
1: You know, I think he's just going to break him down. I think with these Russian fighters, especially with somebody that, you you know, Khabib's got this imaginary old that he's been holding on to forever, and he feels like he's invincible. He feels like, you know, he's a man, and he, he really hasn't been put in many bad positions in a fight. I feel like once he gets put in that bad position and, oh, things aren't going my way, the man is going to break. And he, I, I don't think he – for one, you know, Tony's already shown that he can go five rounds. Uh, and, and having fought the man, I know he can keep a hell of a pace. So I think that pace is one factor. You know, there, there's, it, you know, Tony's more comfortable under that fire. It's just gonna, be, it's an interesting fight. I'm interested in it, but, uh, you know, when you ask the skill for skill, I think Tony just is is, is a little bit better all around.
0: Mm-hmm. And and I'd like to go back to something you said there too before, where you said, uh, you know, a fight with you and Habib, you like the way that you match up with him wrestling wise. Do you feel like a match with him would wind up with you getting tons of takedowns, or do you feel like you would tag him on the feet and keep his takedowns away?
1: My number one thing since I got into this sport is to be the most well-rounded fighter that there is, you know, and that's, that's something that I'm going to show uh, on April 21st. Is I'm I'm just more well-rounded, you know. You you got guys like like the who is great at what he does and in, in, in that one style, but there, there's a there's a way to beat every man, uh, and and I'm gonna beat the man from from bell to bell if I got to. We'll we'll, we'll see when that fight rolls around. Uh, then I uh, then I'll be really be able to put together the plan because I feel like I can fight any any fighter in any style you know I fought Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts I fought great wrestlers I fought I've already fought a Russian wrestler and I, and I and I'll let them take down 10 to 1 uh, so you know I, I feel like I can fight any style and could be is no different
0: yeah and and you know if if a win over Barboza here might lead to whoever it is that wins this fight at 223 how how would you sort of expect a a fight with Tony to go a second time especially without obviously the staff infection and all the things leading up to that fight Yeah I
1: mean 100% I think after this one is nothing but big fights from here I I think that's the biggest a, April in general is going to be a a huge month for the UFC especially in a lightweight division and and, and I'm taking that over Um uh, after my fight, I, I think it's only big fights. You know, you got me me and Tony going to sell well again. Uh, you know, I got big fights with Khabib. I got big fights with Connor. There's, there, there's a lot of big fights to be had. Uh, how I see the Tony fight going, I, I'm I'm more – I learned more from that fight about myself than anything else. And I think that that's going to show in this fight and, and the next and the next. On. Uh, if Tony uh, – a rematch with Tony is one of those fights, then it, it's going to come through and I'm going to whoop the man.
0: Yeah, and, and without giving away too much here, because obviously I don't want to press you for too much. But you said you learned a lot about yourself from that fight. What is it that you feel like you took away from that fight? Um, they say you learn more in losses. What is it you learned from that loss?
1: It is. It's just an experience. It's just. It's just. You know, I to to say it is one thing, and to actually feel it is another. You know, when you when you say it's just a a title fight, it's just like any other fight. When you say the moment is just going to be like any other moment, we got all these other. Uh, I had all these other external noises and these external external things uh, mentally that ended up coming out physically and you know and and sickness. I, w- I was I was bedridden for like a month after the fight. You know, it's just a lot of mental things that I that I feel like now that I'm I've, I've grown as a fighter, as a man, as a person, all that. Uh, once all those holes are filled, because obviously I already have the physical talent. I think I'm I think that that's one of the things about this fight. Me and Barboza are the best athletes at, at this division. It's just gonna show on fight night who is better prepared mentally, uh, when both of our athletic abilities kinda cancel out.
0: Yeah, and and so you you said already big fights after Barboza, uh, and you know obviously Habib got the title shot after the win off of Barboza. Are you sort of expecting that same treatment after this win? Has the UFC given you any indication? What are you thinking next after this one?
1: I'm always planning out my my. I always got a vision for what I'm doing, uh, and a title shot if it's if it's there is there. If, if there are going to be a lot of options for me, uh, and options are always great. So we we we're gonna see we're gonna see how this whole thing shakes out. We'll see how the whole thing shakes out with Connor if you know if they're gonna strip him if they're gonna give him the first shot back, and you know if he wins or loses that one, what's gonna go on? I don't know it's a lot of there's a lot of movement parts, but uh, I like that I, I i like the evolution in the game, and I'm here to to be one of the ones to run that flag
0: yeah and and so you you know you mentioned before too that uh you know you feel you're super well rounded and you're proud of your well roundedness. Obviously, Edson Barboza enters with one very specific skill set, and that's a, you know, he's a hell of a kickboxer. Uh, is this one where you feel like you're going to have to rely on your takedowns really heavily, or do you expect you to be able to stand and strike with somebody like Edson Barboza?
1: I, I feel like I can do both. You know, I think you said it best. I think hands down, Edson is the best striker at lightweight. The only other guy that you can put up there with him is Anthony Pettis, and, and he beat Anthony Pettis, so... Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think after this one, I take that title of, of, of best striker, too. We'll see. We'll just we'll, – we'll have to see how the fight plays out. Uh, the the thing is, I'm, I'm prepared to go wherever the fight goes, and I'm going to be better than a man everywhere it is. And I think that's the new generation of, of fighter, you know. I'm Edson Barboza a few years ago with a whole lot more tools, you know. He's, he's faster. I mean, he's fast. He's explosive. He's strong. I'm all that plus even more. And and, that, and that's what's really going to show up.
0: Yeah, and that—that's a hundred. I love the way that you said that too. The fact that this is the new generation—you're young—and now we're coming up with more well-rounded fighters. You, you've mentioned the name a couple of times tonight already, so I, I'd be remiss not to ask you. You know, Conor McGregor is has been away from the game for I think it's over 500 days now at this point in time. What do you sort of think about his layoff, and what would you like to see next from him?
1: You know, I. I... From the, from the get-go, I took the man at his word. The man says he's a great competitor. Uh, you know, he says he's a great fighter, all this. If I'm taking him for his word, then he's got to fight a great, you know, somebody that's still on the up and up. Yeah, he can do all these fights. He can take a Nate, Nate Diaz fight, fine. He can do He can do whatever he wants. But, you know, if he wants the, the respect of other, competitor, uh, other competitors, other athletes, uh, especially in this division, then he's got to fight somebody that, that's really about it. And if that's the winner of Khabib and Tony – then so be it. But, you know, step up and be a man and fight. Don't go back down and and fight these bum fights or look for that, – that's just never been me. That's just not my style. I'm not somebody that looks for an easy fight. I'm not somebody that, that looks down the rankings. Uh, even when they offered me this fight with Edson Barboza, I mean, this is a dangerous fight on my comeback, you know, coming off of, of so many losses in, in, in my life in general. And I'm coming back earlier than I even wanted to, but I'm coming back against the best challenge. And I think that's what a real champion does. So if Conor wants to be a real champion, he should show what real champions do.
0: So you'd like to see him come back, even if it means it might delay your chance at a title shot.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to I see what he can do. I want to I see what the man can really do. The man's got one fight at lightweight. You know, if he, he and walks around calling himself a lightweight champ, if he was a real, if he's a real champ, then then let's see what you can do. See him once at least. Hmm.
0: So, I got to ask, too, then, if if he's going to come back, say he fights immediately for the title after you fight Barboza, is there anybody else you got your eye on in the division that you'd like, in the meantime, to win you that title shot?
1: No, we're going to see how this whole thing plays out. Like I said, uh, every fight after Barboza is big, and the fight with Barboza is huge. You know, we're we're headlining Atlantic City. Uh, They're going there for the first time in, I think, 13 years, something like that, Uh, you know so many legendary fighters that have been in the same building, and I'm only focused on that night, going out there and, and, and making that statement, and put myself in, in there with, you know, Tommy Hearns, and Floyd Mayweather, and, and Joe Lewis, and all these people that have, have gone there and went to war and came out, so uh, that's really where my focus is. After this, we'll see where the fights go. So you know, what... they, they, they're planning a... Can you hear me? Yep. Oh, it, I said after this, we can see which fight goes where, you know. they They're planning a big Event in Russia in September, they, they they got a lot of moving parts, so I'm gonna see where it goes. But I'm I'm focused on Atlantic City.
0: So you said the the focus is on Atlantic City. So I gotta ask one last question before we let you go. What's your prediction for Fight Night? How does it all end?
1: I'm gonna beat the man all the way around the board. You are gonna see it. If you don't, if you don't believe me, just watch. Don't believe the audio. Come to the visual, baby.
0: Alright and we can't wait to see it Once again Kevin Lee fights Edson Barboza As the headliner at USC Atlantic City Uh, Kevin thanks again for the time And we hope to catch up after the fight
1: Always my man Appreciate you (laughs)
0: And that interview was, of course, brought to you by Dead Frog Brewery. Dead Frog is a Canadian craft brewery just outside of Vancouver that brings you high-quality craft brews with no pasteurization and no preservatives. I love their Green Magic IPA, but if you're less of an IPA guy, make sure to check out their Steel Toad Lager, all available at your local liquor store, and check them out on deadfrog.ca. Uh, And we, of course, are Dave and Dan with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. That was an interview with Kevin Lee. He did get some stuff in there from before this crazy fight cancellation. Uh, But, Dave, what would you think there?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, we taped that before the uh, Tony saying hello to a friend knee injury that, how, that, how much of that shit do you buy? That, let's, I, let, let, let's just put it out there I, I don't buy any of that um, and we'll get to that in a second uh, the you know what he says about Habib though still very much applies and I did like his breakdown of the fight I was so excited for our breakdown of the fight but this is where it leaves me now obviously he had the staph infection and the loss to Tony Ferguson no one really knows how long Tony's going to be out for this it sounded as we were going to tape right now and this is a fluid situation as they say that he's going to go in for surgery so kevin lee all of a sudden let's say habib gets by max holloway which i think we're both predicting um you know kevin lee's right in the mix at 155 assuming connor's especially not coming back
0: especially because in in is it two weeks or three weeks he's fighting uh edson barboza in a win over edson barboza and he says it right in the interview a win over edson barboza and he's really, really close. Although I, th- I thought it was interesting that he said he wanted to see Connor back, even if it ruins his chance at a title <laughs> shot. Um, which, which, hey, props to him for wanting the division to look legit. Um, but yo, know, if Connor doesn't come back, that win against Barbosa might put him right back in there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, even Connor versus Lee—that's an intriguing matchup to me, just because of Lee's wrestling ability.
0: Yeah, and and he is super well-versed, too, in all kinds of different places. His striking can be a little mechanical here and there, um, but I I think that the way that he's learning how to put things together is scary because he's still super young.
2: All right. So I guess we have to address the elephant in the room. Uh, The matchup that we dedicated a whole month of combat countdowns to (laughs) got canceled for the fourth time. And I just want the record to note that this fight has been canceled twice for, you know, your standard injury. Once because of Tiramisu related weight cut issues and once because Tony Ferguson saw someone he wasn't expecting to see. Made a sharp turn to say hello, tripped and ripped his knee, according if to I, Brett, Brett Akamoto of ESPN.
0: If I had a nickel for every time I had torn my knee uh, because I was saying hi to a friend, yeah, uh, so I, I would have no nickels.
2: So <laughs> what what are we thinking here? Training injury or uh, he's probably hurt? Uh and he was trying to move through. Look, look, I'll
0: I'll buy the fact that it got worse this week. mm Hmm. What I'll probably say happened was he probably heard it two or three weeks ago in the gym. Was just so dedicated and so uh, you know gung ho. He was just gonna push through it. He got here and did a couple of like intense workouts or you know a couple of walkthroughs, and even the walkthroughs weren't going well. So. He made probably made a scene about it in front of some UFC officials.
2: <laughs> right, right, right. We call that a work in pro wrestling. Exactly. Well, he worked it. <laughs> um, so the card is still stacked. You know, uh, Max Holloway taking a short notice fight is absolutely ridiculous when you think about it. A champion, uh, especially a champion of Max's caliber, on the rise, really a budding superstar in the UFC for him to take this fight i mean it's ballsy af as the kids say uh we'll get to your gumby breakdown later on the whole card and the card is still sick uh obviously a disappointment but habib and tony was just not meant to be it was not written in the stars how do you feel about habib max
0: i i actually like it that more than most people do i think and you know what Uh, call me crazy with with the odds coming out where they did I actually think that that Max Holloway is a fun underdog play if you're gambling on this one. He's betting off at, like, plus 400 Mm -hmm. on the early books. And and I think that even though I I would pick Habib, gun to my head, have to pick the winner, Max has defended, like, 83% of his takedowns. Nobody has taken him down in, like, four years. Mm -hmm. Now, he he hasn't... fought a ton of guys trying to take him down but you guys got you got like Ricardo Lamas who went like 0-12 against him you got Cub Swanson who went 0-3 against him like he he's fought people who've tried to take him down not Habib style
2: right? but like he's stuffed everybody since then so let me tell you where i land on this and lol conor mcgregor took him down four times but i get that that was a different max that's a different that's a different max holloway and it it was a different conor in a lot of ways too Clay, clay
0: collard got max holloway down if you want to go way back
2: uh but that all being said no one it's not even really worth looking at the the statistics when it comes to habib we know what habib brings to the table but where i think it's a valid point is in cardio now while max is Coming off, you know, six days. I, I'm sure he's training, but not necessarily in fight camp training. Habib has never gone five rounds, uh, not in the UFC, and he does have cardio issues. So if you want to tell me that in round five, if this makes it to round five, Habib is tired, he's huffing, he's puffing, he shoots a takedown, can't get it, and now Max gets to light him up on the feet, which I think we all think is very possible. You might have something there in some sort of a fifth-round dogfight. But as far as I'm concerned, rounds one through three is just going to be, you know, Habib mauling him like a bear.
0: So I I got a question for you then, too, since, uh, you know, obviously you're you're Team Habib and you've always been Team Habib. Do you think Habib can finish Max Holloway?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You do? With ground and pound, yeah, something of that nature. Okay, I I just don't—I think he can get— Max down I don't know how long he can Hold Max there Yeah I mean hey you know what It's a great matchup that's the thing yeah. As disappointed it's surprisingly as I am good. It's surprisingly good it's really the It's honestly I can't I mean you give me any fighter on the Roster other than Connor I I don't know Who else would you even want in there From 155 or someone coming Up from 145 or even if you told Me Habib could come up to 170 I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Habib Tyron Woodley, because Woodley has the you, you best touchdown defense in the fucking world. You know, uh, granted, he,
0: he did just get beat, uh, but you know who would be a fun matchup for Habib stylistically? Well, let's hear it. Is, is Frankie Edgar. Yeah. Frankie yeah. Edgar coming back to 155, do you think Habib's going to take down Frankie Edgar at
2: will? Yes. Really? Yeah, just based on... Frankie s- Edgar? Just based on size and everything. I mean, Habib... Frankie's such a good wrestler, though. I-, I feel like Habib could naturally fight, and he'd have some problems with some guys in their reach, like a Darren Till, but I think Habib could very comfortably fight at 170, just like we're seeing RDA come up and very comfortably fight at 170. Uh Frankie I think is a natural 145er and I'm not shocked if I see him uh, you know too late in his career now but I think he could fight at 135 2 they said very easily. I if just... if he
0: was suck yeah, if he was sucking yeah. down weight as like a young kid. Right. Yeah, he probably so, could have made so it. So
2: that's yeah. that's just kind of where I fall on that. I think Habib would outpower him a lot. You as he comes in for some of those shots.
0: Yeah, I just think the technique of of Frankie stuffing Would give Habib at least more trouble. And it's not like Frankie doesn't have a good gas tank either.
2: Yeah. The gas tank. I mean, if you're lining this up, like I'm... the gas tank question is the most interesting part, right? <laughs> yes, it is. And that's what it was going to be. If we were going to break down Habib versus Tony, cool. I was, you know, telling people at my local BJJ gym, the way I give Tony an advantage is just on the fact that he was going to be throwing up submissions in the fourth and fifth round, you know, cutting elbows when Habib starts to get tired. And that's where I thought we would see some, you know, maybe some fireworks. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so... I agree with that. Dana White comes out and says, after booking the fight four times and it falling through four <laughs> times, he says, "I will never book Habib versus Tony again." I don't blame him, but I also like what our uh, our cohort on Flow Combat said. Uh, Hunter tweeted out, uh, "Now they got to do a fifth time because they're two to two on the pullout reasons." <laughs> Habib pulled out never. twice
0: you got to have a pullout champion. Exactly. And and Tony's (laughs) pulled out
2: twice, so let's book this thing a fifth time, see who pulls out, and the other guys declared the winner. I will also say I never want to go through the emotions of them booking this fight again. It's just too much of a roller coaster.
0: We we do like specials on the podcast twice yes for this time and the last time we did specials for this fight
2: we dedicated a whole month to this fight and i will also say but this is what i was going to say was so i don't ever want it to be booked in advance but if tony is fighting i don't know connor and then connor pulls out not that connor ever does then Habib comes in as a four-day last-minute injury replacement or vice versa. That's when I think you could do Tony versus Habib again. But to put as the UFC, as a business, why would you ever put marketing dollars behind this fight again? Full moon. I, I,
0: I can't imagine anybody getting jacked up for it ever again.
2: Right, and and the fans wouldn't buy into it. So, all right, long story short, Dana White says they're never going to book the fight again. And it got us thinking... What are Dana's best, I'm never going to blank? What are Dana White's best never-isms? So <laughs> while we were going to do the top 555 155-pound fights of all time, the best 155-pound matchups of all time, we, we have to skip that given the, the occurrences of the past few days. So our combat countdown this week is the top five Dana White never blank. Gumby, are you ready for the combat countdown? I will cue up our weird guy who plays the intro. Yeah, cue up that weird man. (laughs) Let's go, buddy. Hit it.
0: It's time for the Combat Countdown.
2: Alright, gummy, so we will start our Combat Countdown on Dana White's top five never gonna happens, never gonna happen, and we're gonna start with number five, it's very recent, Dana White saying Mario Yamasaki will never referee another fight again. Yeah,
0: and he said that after uh, the crucifix incident with uh, Valentina Shevchenko putting Priscilla Cotuera, uh in, she, she had her in a crucifix for it, it seemed like I don't know, a hundred un-evaded punches just straight to the head over and over and over and over again, Uh, and just an awful job by Yamasaki not stopping it. It's not the first time Dana White has gotten really heated at a referee too. He said that same shit about Steve Mazagati, and I'm pretty sure he's made sure that Steve Mazzagati doesn't show up in Nevada anymore, although I'm not sure he's supposed to have that kind of power. I haven't seen Steve Mazagati again. Um, So between him and Mario Yamasaki, it looks like uh, Dana's slowly weeding through his refs, so while you will find on this list that you can't always trust what Dana says, this might be the one thing on the list that I actually do trust.
2: Yeah, I trust this, and I actually the reason I like that we have this on here, because spoiler alert, the next four you're about to hear, Dana White went (laughs) back on his word on, Um, and you know that happens when you're making high-level decisions, but I think in this one, it shows you know, I do think at, at his core, Dana is a big fan, and I do think Dana... I, I, I really believe this. Dana does care about the fighter's safety. Uh, you know, you definitely get the sense, and you've heard fighters say when they've had to pull out of fights, you never get that, like, ah, come on, kid, you could get in there and go. Dana's just like, okay. And then they go and deal with it. He's obviously disappointed. Um, but I think that's what, you know, saying a guy like Masugati shouldn't be refing, saying a guy like Mario Yamasaki shouldn't be refing or they'll never ref again, that comes from the fan side of Dana. That comes mm-hmm. from Dana wanting to protect his fighters. And for that i actually respect dana
0: yeah and and for that being the one thing he's right on i guess that's the good one to be right on
2: well we're gonna move on to number four and this one did not come to fruition but uh you know about two years ago or so dana white was quoted saying conor mcgregor will never box or fight floyd mayweather that's correct if you go
0: on it's like a good morning new york show uh with a couple of anchors who clearly know pretty much to absolutely nothing about mma They're asking questions about boxing and MMA, and he says, uh, yeah, that Conor will never box Floyd Mayweather, will never fight Floyd Mayweather in any way, which we obviously know not to be true. Uh, But it's kind of funny to go back and watch the clip of him saying absolutely it won't happen. I think what he cited as as a reasoning is the fact that Manny Pacquiao and Floyd took so long. They took 10 years, so he's like, they took 10 years to get together, and they were in boxing. These two are in different sports, so it'll never happen.
2: And I will also say I wouldn't be surprised if Dana acting on behalf of Connor as the half promoter of the fight, co-promoter, he also might have just been negotiating at that point when he said it'll never happen. But I think, you know, I feel like, and we couldn't find the exact interviews, maybe it was like, a, you know, one of the UFC media scrums or what have you. I think earlier on when rumors started about the circa 2016, 2015, I feel like his de facto answer was just, it'll never happen. But guess mm-hmm. what? It happened. and It every- did very much happen. <laughs> and, every- and everyone made a billion dollars. All right, this one I just absolutely love. It's number three. Uh, back at uh, UFC 200, the week of UFC 200, GSP said, or sorry, Dana White said, GSP will never fight again.
0: Yeah, in the uh, media scrum before UFC 200, uh, he said GSP is never going to fight again, which is uh, I, I think part of like like you said about the previous one. It's a little bit of a negotiation tactic. It's a little bit of. Uh, You know promotership but in this case uh you know gsp not that long after ufc 200 right back in the cage and our middleweight champion
2: yeah i never really understood the dana gsp relationship after gsp some you know not did he retire i guess he never fully retired he just stopped fighting after the hendrix fight walked away he walked away in november of 2013 you heard rumors that you know maybe george had a little alien baby or maybe (laughs) george uh was fed oh, wait, up wait, wait. with the steroids um but you know and I, what i mean by that is gsp once said he saw an alien so you know maybe they also he impregnated one i don't know but um <laughs> y- you just never knew there were a lot of wild conspiracy theories about it and when dana white would be asked instead of saying well he's the greatest welterweight champion of all time and he's a fighter and i hope to get him back there he was just always like no we will never see it again and then you'd get GSP, who'd say, no, I'm still training. I, I still want to fight. That was always like an odd dynamic, I thought. And again, he might have just been in promoter mode, in negotiation mode. But he said it would never happen again. And literally, five months later at UFC 205, it happened again. Yeah, it was crazy fast. Well, this one's kind of similar. Our number <laughs> two, Dana White, never going to happen. It's John Jones will never headline again. He said this the same week. He said GSP would never fight again. He said this the week of UFC 200.
0: Yeah. So he says that at UFC 200, that he's never going to fight again. That's of course, because he's headline
2: headline headline again.
0: Oh, he would never headline. That's right. He would never headline again. Uh, And that's of course, because he spoiled our fight with Dan Cormier. Uh, That one got uh, maybe not the four times that the Tony Habib had got booked, but it seemed like uh, it was like right down the pipe a couple of times and never happened. Uh, But then again, UFC 214 not that long away from UFC 200 and there he is headlining with Daniel Cormier again one of the biggest cards in a long time
2: yeah when it comes to a lot of these especially Connor boxing Floyd Jones will never headline again
0: you know, GSP will never fight again.
2: Money always ends up talking. Money. Am I right?
0: Yeah, and maybe that's why Yamasaki is the one that will always will will consider coming true because Maru Yamasaki is not making the UFC a dime.
2: That's right. Refs do not bring in the revenue like the other people on this list, and no one can really claim uh, almost as much. I mean, Connor's the biggest money generator for the company, but this fighter comes a close second. But there was once a time our number one Dana White never was when Dana White said, women will never fight in the UFC. And obviously that was pre-Ronda Rousey. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Rhonda was fighting at
0: the time, but I, I think he hadn't seen what a mega star she could be uh, until she, I think, when she went in and tapped out Misha Tate in Strike Force, that really showed him that this girl's a mega star, and we would be silly not to be promoting women's MMA. And now he, I feel like he almost legitimizes women's MMA more than many promoters do. Um, he's always out there trying to, to rep his women's fights.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what Rhonda did changed his view on it, and that's fine. Um, You know, I think also, if I recall from Rhonda's autobiography, yes, I sped read it one day, sue me. Um, I think something like they met in person and he was quoted as saying that's when I knew she would be a superstar the charisma the the attitude which is kind of funny because you look at her on WWE now and you're like man this girl kind of lacks charisma but I guess Dana White saw something in her obviously you know Blonde hair, blue eyes, pretty good looking girl, ass kicker, doesn't take a genius to think that could be something that's very marketable. And Dana White is good at the marketing, so he saw something, he ran with it, and we got women in the UFC in early 2013. But four divisions now. Four divisions now. Uh, so pretty crazy. So let's review our top five Dana White never list. Number five, Mario Yamasaki will never referee in the UFC again. That one, we're not sure if it's going to be true or not, but we do tend to take his word on it. Number four, he said Conor McGregor will never box Floyd Mayweather. $500 million, begs to differ. Number three, GSP will never fight again. He came back five months later, and we're all happy he did. Although now you could probably say that again, and yeah, he might be right. No one really knows. (laughs) Number two, John Jones will never headline again. An admirable thing to say, just because, let's face it, Jones is a wild card. But you know what? Money talks, and he headlined two years later. And of course, number one, he used to say, Dana White would say, there will never be women fighting in the UFC. And sure enough, here we are four divisions cyborgs a beast ronda's going in the hall of fame say whatever you want but the women have been pretty awesome all right we will move on now to our breakdown of ufc 223 not headlined by habib versus tony ferguson gumby does any fine company sponsor this breakdown
0: yeah this ufc 223 preview is brought to you by garage gym so we all go to bjj we all work out but that doesn't mean it's easy to do both of them every single week. That's where Garage Gym comes into play. They help you set up the most perfect home gym that inside your garage so that you can work out even when you can't get to the gym. You can get a high quality workout without going to the gym, folks. So head on over to garagegym.net, pick up all of the essentials to do just that. And, uh, so for the three fights that I like on this card, uh, other than the main event, obviously, uh, I like Rose Nama Yunus as an underdog against Joanna Janjacek. That's right. She's an underdog against Joanna Jacek, 110 underdog, so you're going to get a good return on your money. I think that her grappling will hold up and... I even think her striking's diverse enough to handle Ioana. Uh The other one I really like is I like Calvin Cater in the third fight from the top against Hanato Moicano. Uh, even though he's a lower rank fighter, he's uh, the favorite and betting off at negative 135. I think his takedowns give Moicano all kinds of trouble. And then lastly, I really, really, really like Ally Aquintes and only a negative 110 favorite against Paul Felder. Even though there's a little bit of inactivity there, I really think that his diversity and where he goes in his game will be tough for Felder, even though Felder clearly has the striking advantage so there you have it there are my top three fights for UFC 123
2: all right I like where you're going with all those uh it's a sick card I can't wait for it and even though we're not getting Habib versus Tony we are getting a pretty good second place runner-up type uh fill-in spot for us with Habib versus Max you can hear the top of our show for our thoughts on that uh Gumby do we have any other housekeeping to do do we want to thank anyone besides our loyal listeners
0: well, you always want to thank all three of our sponsors, ADK Fightwear, Dead Frog Brewery, and, of course, Garage Gym. Uh, and also make sure to check us out on Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. Uh, and you can email the show at TopTurtleMMA at gmail.com.
2: And thanks to the mothership, FlowCombat.com. You can keep going to the website to check out our top five combat countdowns each week, and this week our interview with Kevin Lee. Thanks to Kevin Lee for coming on and talking a little UFC shoot fighting with us as we say in the pro wrestling world it's a shoot fight of course I am David Tremonti some people call me Shockwave Dave he is Daniel Vreeland some people call him Gumby Vreeland this was top turtle MMA podcast on flowcombat.com and we'll be back next week